As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Argentina, they have done it after one of the greatest World Cup finals that we have ever seen. The winning penalty tucked away by Montiel and the crowd in that Argentina end, it's hands on heads. They cannot believe that they've done it. They've won the World Cup for the first time since 1986. The nation has done it. Lionel Messi has done it. He's won his first World Cup, the crowning glory in this last World Cup. He will lift the World Cup as the Argentine captain. But what drama we saw here tonight in Qatar. Argentina were cruising in the first half. Messi on target, Angel Di Maria on target. France looked dead and buried, but they came to life and Kylian Mbappe came to life in that second half. First a penalty and then a moment of absolute brilliance to level it up at 2-2. Then into extra time, Lionel Messi thought he'd won it, but back came Kylian Mbappe, the first man since Jeff Hurst in 1966 to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. 3-3, then on to penalties. But it was Argentina who held their nerve. Emi Martinez who kept them out. And Argentina have their third World Cup triumph. Glory for the light blue and white surrounding me here at the Lucelle Stadium. And despair for France. They were the reigning champions. But now it is Argentina who will lift the World Cup trophy. And it is the Argentina fans that are bouncing now and will be bouncing for the next four years. I'm Adam Leventhal. This is the Athletic Football Podcast.
mundo! Argentina campeão do mundo! So the picture around us here at the Lucille Stadium is absolute euphoria and delight for the Argentina fans. On this episode, this World Cup final special, after an incredible, incredible battle between not only Messi and Mbappe, but two great footballing nations, we will bring you reaction from our team here in the stadium. Alongside me, kicking every ball and, well, despairing every moment, enjoying every moment, has been our football correspondent, David Ornstein. Sum up your emotions after that. We will not see a better game of football as long as we live. The stakes could not have been higher. The scene was set in the most extraordinary stadium in front of the eyes of the world at the end of the most jaw-dropping football tournament we've ever seen. And as we look down now, there is every emotion under the sun from ecstasy to despair. The referees and officials are even hugging each other. To our left, the Argentine fans who have been going hours before every match at this tournament, surely the most deserving fan base we've seen at this or <laughs> any tournament. This is a seismic moment for football, for Lionel Messi, the biggest story you could say of this football competition. Let's talk about the main man for Argentina, for this World Cup, Lionel Messi. He was born the year after Argentina won their last World Cup in 1986. That World Cup was lifted by Diego Armando Maradona, the late great talisman of Argentine football. This was the thing, the moment, the glory that Lionel Messi needed, wanted so desperately, and he has now done it. To have witnessed it, how do you feel? Well, I'm just looking through my notes and they are an absolute mess. A car crash of frenzied activity. And that's testament to the spectacle we've witnessed. But in terms of Lionel Messi, you run out of superlatives because this man has now achieved everything. He's a guy that, in terms of his stature and what he's done and what he's capable of physically and technically, I don't think you can produce that. He appears to have been dropped here from another planet. This was his crowning glory in a career that is indescribably beautiful. And he leaves with the trophy. Lionel Messi, done it, mate. <laughs> he has indeed. He has completed it and he will lift the World Cup trophy as the Argentine captain. Here's Messi. Messi wants it again. Lloris in the way. Was it off the line or over the line? The referee's had a look at the watch. Well, the referee has pointed to the middle and said goal. So let's reflect now on the main subplot of the evening in terms of a player versus player battle. And that was Lionel Messi against Kylian Mbappe. And Luke Boscher and Jay Harris were following the footsteps of both of those players in the game. And they, alongside me now, they certainly didn't disappoint. 
Let's deal with the victor and Lionel Messi. He's just lifted the World Cup for the first time in his career. Jay, from your point of view, you were following him. Tell us what you saw and how you felt watching him this evening. I mean, it's just simply incredible. So many people have spoken about would Lionel Messi ever kind of equal Diego Maradona's achievements and, and take Argentina to win the World Cup. And the fact that he's done it at what everybody expects to be his final World Cup is, is simply crazy. I mean, I tried to only watch Messi, but there was so much going on in the game, it was hard to, but he's just such an intelligent footballer. A lot of people talk about how he doesn't, how he walks a lot in a game. And he walks a lot in a game because his understanding of the game is so elite. When other people need to run to catch up with what's going on, he just strolls over and he's in the right place at the right time. And there were a couple of occasions where the Argentina players were making a few silly fouls, getting a little bit carried away when France got back into the game. But every time I looked at him, he was the epitome of what a leader should be. He was so calm. He never let the emotion get the better of him. And we've spoken a lot about how emotional this Argentina team is. But he almost kind of holds it together, keeps them level-headed. And I mean, the best player in the world won. And we're watching Lionel Messi clutching the World Cup, celebrating with his family, celebrating with the fans around him. Meanwhile, Kylian Mbappe, who finished as the top scorer of the tournament, who scored a hat-trick, is somewhere in the depths of despair, in the depths of the Lusail Stadium, trying to come to terms with the fact that he is on the losing side. Luke, you watched him. What an exceptional performance you saw. Yeah, Adam, to be honest with you, it was absolutely bizarre because he barely registered in the game before the 80th minute, but somehow he's walked away with a hat-trick, probably what you would go down as a great performance, scored France's first penalty to set the tone that ultimately didn't go their way. and. It's just remarkable. I can only imagine he's sitting there somewhere, head in his hands, not quite knowing how he scored a hat-trick in a World Cup final, but won't be walking away with another trophy. Maybe he'll take some consolation from the fact that four years ago, he was in Messi's position and he was lifting the trophy with his teammates. And, you know, the World Cup is, is a romantic beast and it would not surprise me if, if Kylian Mbappe was back here in four years or eight years or Lord knows, maybe even 12 years, such is the magnitude of his talent and ability. And he turns just 24 on Tuesday. He has plenty more opportunities to shine at a World Cup. But I just wanted to ask you in particular about that second goal, that equalising goal at 2-2. He made it and then finished it with a plomb. It was an incredible goal, wasn't it? It was absolutely ridiculous, Adam. It was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you talk about a goal from nothing. You know, the ball's been headed to him by Chiram. Everyone's sort of thinking, oh yeah, hit that. Back towards Mbappe! It's unbelievable. And he does, and it's magnificent. Adam, you, you were here with me. The French journalist who was in front of us was in tears after the goal, sobbing. Just because no one could quite believe what had happened. And not only that he dragged his team back into this game, but done it with such skill, technique, just a, the real mark of what a superstar he is. There's no other word for it. He is a superstar. Luke, thank you. Jay, one more word from you. We have been in restaurants together. We have been on metros together. We have been around stadiums together, around these Argentine fans. A couple of Argentine fans, just literally a couple of steps away from us, are dancing 
and that party is going to carry on for a very, very long time, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like you said, throughout this tournament, the two sets of fans who stood out by a mile have been Argentina and Morocco. Morocco bought the drums, they bought the whistles. Argentina bought the flair and the dancing. And while you were chatting to Luke, I was getting my own little two-step going on. It's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, look at these scenes. This is what a World Cup is all about. Just joy and happiness everywhere. We're watching the, the pictures of the, of the crowd and there are grown men in tears, women in tears, children in tears. This victory for Argentina is a colossal, colossal moment. When the World Cup is, is lifted, the roof will come off this stadium. And it's not just the fans in the stands that are singing at the top of their voices. And look, whatever you think, should they be doing it? Shouldn't they be doing it? It's the journalists here around me as well that are singing the celebratory songs for Argentina as they prepare to lift the trophy. It was written in the stars. Quite possibly the greatest of all time. Messi inspires Argentina to a third World Cup triumph. And one that will be remembered as belonging to him. So away from the press conferences, the mix zone, I've made my way back out into the stands just next to where the press box is and I'm looking out at an incredible scene over two hours after the end of the game. There are still thousands of Argentine fans still in the stands, still just trying to get a glimpse of some of the players and the staff that are remaining out on the field. That's at one end and then at the other end there is an incredible scene and it is the kids of the players and the staff having their own penalty shootout. It is such an enchanting vision. The majority of them, to be honest, have number 10 Messi shirts on. Messi scores! All of those goals, all of those moments in a magical career. A simple stroke of the ball from 12 yards out tops the lot. And it's really interesting as well that the nets here at the Lucille Stadium as well, they've gone, but they haven't been taken away by FIFA officials or things like that. They've been clipped up and they've been taken as souvenirs by a lot of the staff, a lot of the players, and probably handed on into some of the um, fans in the stands as well. These celebrations will go on long into the night and long into the future as well. It really feels like a a generational shift of a moment. And still in the press box is Ollie Kay writing his piece, trying to sort of get his head around what he's seen. Um, what are you writing about? What are you trying to encapsulate? Um, yeah, that's the difficult part. Um, <laughs> trying to encapsulate the, well, for one thing, the the drama, the the epic nature of the final but also the sort of emotions and the context um, of Lionel Messi's achievement and obviously this odyssey of his to win the World Cup which has finally ended in triumph and just trying to sort of report on the match um, sort of through the prism of Lionel Messi if that doesn't sound too pretentious not doing this sort of typical blow by blow report that I would have done as a 
you know, football correspondent on a newspaper. It's it's more of a sort of match report through the vehicle of Lionel Messi. So that's what I'm trying to achieve, and it's um, it just feels like there's an awful lot to to get in there. That's uh, you, I, I could probably have done with it being a uh, a very routine two 0 like it looked like being for a while. And you'll be able to read that piece on the Athletic. Just one very quick one uh, again, Ollie. To have done it, to have dealt with all the pressure, the weight of a nation on his shoulders with such a serenity it, it makes yeah, yeah. it so impressive doesn't it you mean Messi in particular yeah yeah it's I mean historically he's not been a great penalty taker and you looked at the you know the penalties he scored along the way since since the miss against Poland in this World Cup um, you know high pressure penalties against Holland and, and in the penalty against Holland you know extremely high pressure in the first half today and then, um, you know, obviously in the shootout when Mbappe had scored the first uh, French penalty and it felt as if the momentum was really with France. And I think he he did sort of just about keep his nerve, hold his nerve. And I think at this World Cup, we've seen a sort of different sides of Messi. Messi, the, the fighter, Messi, the warrior, Messi, the genius. Messi, the ice school penalty taker, which I think was the last thing he'd ever really needed to be and of course Messi the world champion uh, the way it finishes which is um, which is beautiful really I know uh, I know some people get a bit fed up when we in the media go on and on and on about Messi but what a player you will not see the like of him for a long long time so that's what the journalists think let's uh, check in with Abby Patterson who's outside the stadium where the fans are just coming to terms with what they've seen I've come out to the stadium, quieter out here as fans begin to file out, make their way off to wherever their party or their commiserations will lead them to. We're going to bump into some Argentinian, hopefully some French fans willing to speak as well and just get a mood from those who have attended that match about what they're feeling now. What's your name? Marcos and Oscar. Marcos and Oscar. Yeah. What does it mean right now? You're champions of the world. It's amazing. Dream, it's amazing. dream. Yeah, it's a dream. We, we cannot. We, it's not real. We can believe it's it. Real. We can believe Messi it. Messi yeah. is God. God. He's God. God. He's God. 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 Have you got two gods or is it one god? Two gods. Wow. Two gods. Two gods. Two gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the son. He's the son of God. He's the son actually, of God. Actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My name is Miguel from Argentina. Tell me about your emotions during that match because it was two 0 two two three two. Thought you'd won it three three, and then the penalties at the end. I'm a neutral. I was living it. How are you coping? Well, we were fighting with different emotions, happiness, then sad. Uh, actually, we didn't know whether we could end up winning. And in the penalty kicks, the things turned to be good. And uh, let me tell you that I know that this is football. This is a game. But I was crying, talking to my son and my daughter down in Buenos Aires and my wife. So it was very emotional for all of us. Can you give me some insight? What were, were they in a fiesta? Were they outside watching the match? How was how were they viewing it in Buenos Aires? Uh, down there, they were celebrating with the rest of the family and friends. So they are cheering now and they are running throughout the city of Buenos Aires, celebrating as we deserve it. France were the losing side in this one. I've run into some French fans outside the stadium. What are your names? Florian. Florian. And Jeremy. Jeremy, can you tell me how you feel? The guy in front of me in the stand was absolutely devastated at the result. How are you guys feeling? Uh, we feel proud because on the first half, we played like, like We didn't recognize the team. So they came in the second half with better game, better football. 
we get lucky to score twice in two minutes. Uh, we thought we will score a third time, not enough to, to get the cup. But at the end, it was a good game, so what to do, I mean. <laughs> we just goal. keep the good memories. That was a good party. We just like, just received a lot of emotion, like down and up and down and again up. So at the end, we just lose, but you know, that's the football. You say you're proud of the boys. Have you got hope that, you know, 18 months' time in the Euros, that in four years' time, the next World Cup, that you've got a good team there? Yeah, for sure, for sure. The generation is good. Uh, we, we saw that we have good resources, we have a lot of players. Even if we have, like, Kante missing, Pogba missing, Benzema missing, we can still reach the final. So, with the full strength, maybe the cup is for us. So. And Kylian Mbappé still young. Yeah. That was the, the last one for Messi. So we are yeah we are happy for him. Yeah, still Kylian for Mbappé, Mbappé maybe have like three World Cups to, to oh, win. Yeah. So we have time to win again the third one. Gaston, Juliana, Juliana, Alec, Alec, Michaela, Michaela, Michaela. Tell me, how do you feel right now? What are your emotions? I can't believe this is happening right now. I haven't realized yet what happened. Tell me, Messi, what words have you got left to describe him? Messi is the best player in the world, in the history. Uh, he makes me happy. He makes you happy. Is there any debate about Messi and Maradona or where are you putting no. that? Both, 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 both. Don't, both. don't, don't compare them, enjoy them. <laughs> I love that. Thank you very much. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's betterhel dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Messi turns it out to Alvarez. 
who gets it through. And that's McAllister looking at Di Maria. He's always messy. He's always messy. He's, he's fantastic. Um, I cannot explain in words what I'm feeling now. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this team gave everything on the pitch. So so really happy for, for the results. So Matt Slater has been in with the managers. What was the contrasting emotions of uh, Monsieur Deschamps and uh, Mr. Scaloni? Stark, <laughs> in a word. So uh, Dile Deschamps came in first. Look, you know, he looks absolutely disconsolate, but um, phlegmatic. He answered the questions. Um, he's actually become uh, a lot more talkative over the years. I mean, I remember the first few times I ever saw him in press conferences, it was really like, quite tough getting him to say anything. Um, but, you know, his, his answers are much better now. Look, I think he said that they were very flat. They lacked energy at the start, which I think we could all see. Um, he said there are many reasons for that, but then he didn't really go into them. Some of the French journalists, I think, were trying to get him to talk about the illness, and he didn't really want to go there, and injuries. They were sort of also asking about the substitutions. Was it tactical? He said, yeah, look, those, you know, Dembele and Giroud, he didn't want to throw either of them under the bus. He praised both of them, but he made it pretty clear that we lacked energy. We weren't in the game, I think he said. He talks about putting younger players on, and that turned it. They said, we, we came back from the dead. I think it was one of his nicer lines. Um, he then clearly felt they were in it. After that, it was a, it was a sort of toss-up sort of a game. Uh, he didn't really talk about the penalties, um, but there was a lot of talk about just why were you so flat? You know, what, how would you explain it? Look, a little bit about the ref, which I was a little bit surprised about. There's been a lot of that, actually, at this World Cup, where people have just really moaned about the ref. I thought the ref was fantastic, actually, and I can't really see what France uh, would, be, would, be, would be clutching onto. He said, I don't want to get into trouble, but then he massively implied that he thought the ref was awful. Um, Scaloni, on the other hand, was, you know, was very you know, overwhelmed, emotional. Uh, you know, he got a round of applause that, that winning managers often get and all the questions for Argentine journalists basically saying how amazing it was and talking about Messi, talking about Maradona, just talking about how well the team played. He, he clearly didn't think that France did fight back and turned it into a 50-50 game. I mean, he almost sort of seemed to apply, I have no idea how it got to penalties. I have no idea how it got to extra time. We should, we should never have drawn that game. Was, was, was his sort of clear message and my message to them at full time and I guess my message to them halfway through extra time was we're, we're going to win this game there's only one team going to win this game which is not how it felt at times to me uh, he sort of talks about them only having two chances and I suppose that would be fair enough at 90 minutes but yeah uh, over the moon over the moon and Deschamps um, really disappointed he, you know, he, he said that Mbappe was absolutely disconsolate he mentioned that didn't achieve what he wanted to achieve uh, but he said the future's bright for France and it is I mean look at the, the the youth and the talent on show there at the end he was like look we, we create loads of players we've got amazing sort of depth in talent I'm optimistic about the future so yeah it wasn't it wasn't doom and gloom he wasn't like crying or anything uh, I think he was disappointed with how they started the game proud of how they finished didn't go their way, whereas Scaloni was like, yeah, we won it, we deserve to win it. I can't believe we had to go through penalties to win it. 
And we saw such emotional scenes from Scaloni on the, on the touchline, just literally just blubbing like a baby with emotion, having won uh, the World Cup and, and fair play to him. The, the image of the World Cup win will be Lionel Messi wearing traditional Arab dress or an Arab gown presented to him from the Emir of Qatar. Um, and also Jenny Infantino was there at that moment to pop it on to him. It's, it's an interesting element to the end of this World Cup that that will be one of the, the images. What, what's your, your take on it? Is, is there anything, is there anything <laughs> that we should feel uncomfortable with or is it just, it's just the way it is and it's just something that the, the Qataris wanted to do? I think the latter, look, I and all the people around me, when we saw it, we did a bit of a double take. And what, what's just happened there? Because we were all sort of writing and I missed the robe being put on. I saw him in the picture and I thought, well, that's, what, what's, what's happened? That's strange. And I realised it's the same robe that Yemi was wearing. So it's obviously sort of traditional garb. It's obviously sort of part of a, of a process. I've, I've since learned a bit more about it because I commented about it on Twitter. I wasn't the only one. And... Uh, like so many of the debates at this World Cup, it's not really a debate, but so many of the issues at this World Cup, completely polarizing. Uh, if I look at my timeline, Western people saying, yeah, that was odd, that was weird. Commenting also on how close Infantino was to it. You know, get out of the way, Infantino. And then others pointing out that Blatter used to do that too. But everyone thinking that the robe was strange, a bit odd why not let the players have the moment the, nothing wrong with the Argentina shirt that's the shot that is the shot everyone wants to see and then I'm guessing Qatari people on Twitter or, or people from, from elsewhere in the Gulf calling me a racist again frankly I mean I'm, I'm literally calling me a racist uh, anti-Arab Islamophobe and look this is this is yeah, this is not the first time unfortunately this, this month this last few weeks where that's it's played out like that on my timeline I've since been told Slightly more politely by some people, no, that's just what we do here. It could be a graduation, it could be any kind of awards. You put a robe on. Okay, fine, let's move on. We move on and we move away from Qatar. Your, your lasting memory of this World Cup, what, what, it, what it means, the impact of it. I know we discussed it at length in the, in the previous podcast, but now they have, let's be fair, delivered probably the greatest World Cup final ever soon after Gianni Infantino said that this was the greatest World Cup. How do you feel now as you look forward to boarding your flight home? Well, I'm going to sort of taking it all in, to be honest, because that was the best game of football I've ever seen in my life. That's, I mean, that's just, you know, so I'm going to enjoy that. Uh, I'm going to think about it. I can't wait to tell my kids about it and speak to them about, you know, were you watching? How do you watch it? What do you think of it? Um, I'm just really like proud and happy and pleased to have seen an amazing game. You know, you always have to remember that as a journalist. We get like front row seats for these incredible moments. This is why we do it. It's what it's all about. You know, all the sort of slightly annoying moments and the hard work and all that and being away from my families. My God, that was incredible. That's what I'm thinking about right now. I can be completely honest. Everything else, that doesn't change. It really doesn't. Everything I said to you two days ago, three days ago, everything I've been writing for the last 10 years, that amazing game of football, which it was, is not going to change how I feel about migrant workers. Was this the right place, the right time? Should this have been shared? Uh, could we have got here in a slightly different way? Did the Qataris change their minds about things like LGBT and rainbows and all that? You know, it, I still feel all that. Still, I still do. 
And I'm going to take a long time to process that. A long time. It's way too early to be thinking about legacies. So that could have been a really boring final. I'd have said exactly the same things to you. The legacy stuff is by definition a longer range, bigger picture view to take. And now is not the time for me, for me to do that. That was an incredible game of football. I'm buzzing about the game of football. Adam Crafton has emerged from the mix zone. It's chilly outside the Lucille Stadium now. Just describe your experience of that mix zone and who you've bumped into. Uh, bumped into a lot of people. It was kind of like a who's who of sort of oddly famous people. So you had uh, Salt Bay, uh, most famous for sprinkling salt on meat, um, who somehow found himself um, as like a guest of honour at a World Cup. You had the French president, Emmanuel Macron. Uh, all the French players um, obviously were coming through in sort of spits and spurts. Very few of them were stopping to speak. I think only Rafa Varane and Hugo Lloris stopped to speak to French media. But, uh, it's true that... Leo Messi and, and Kylian Mbappé are very special and, uh, and I think they were, they were top tonight. They were top for, for their team and um, you know when you are on the, on the wrong side it's always difficult to find the words, it's always painful. Uh, I think uh, we gave our best from, from the start until the end of this tournament we gave our best, uh, we never give up. Even in this final after 2 nil down uh, we didn't give up. And, uh, and we can be proud of that. Uh, Kylian Mbappe looked absolutely devastated, walking through as you would expect. And then you have these Argentines who are just going through, banging walls, singing, spraying journalists with champagne, singing about something about journalists, not sure it was entirely complimentary, uh, but they were very good fun as they came through. It was quite funny because in, uh, in the FIFA uh, mix zones, there's all these signs saying no photos, no videos, um, and obviously this went all completely out of the window as a sort of gaggle of Argentine players emerged spraying everyone with champagne, everyone was getting videos of it, scrambling, and you still had these FIFA suits coming up to people saying no photos, no videos, um, so that was quite fun. There's two sides to this World Cup and there has been throughout, and I suppose, yeah, you see the, you see the joy, the excitement of those moments, you see the VIPs and all that sort of stuff, but then in the midst of all of that, just tell us who you bumped into and, and what was what was confirmed ultimately. Yeah, so it was quite interesting sort of watching the movement of the uh, kind of Qatari officials after this tournament because obviously they're really, I think the gist is they think it's the best World Cup ever. They keep telling us it's the best World Cup ever. Um, and it was probably the best World Cup final ever um, on, you know, on any kind of metric. Um, it was interesting though because you had them sort of coming through and doing interviews with like the world's media so you had Hassan Al-Thawadi who is the I think Secretary General of the Supreme Committee and he uh, well he was going through speaking to South American media singing Argentine songs for them that would go out on Argentine television so you know real charm offensive um, then I bumped into him and he, he stopped to speak um, he gave me one question and the last time I was here was the Argentina-Holland game and that was another amazing game but there was also a worker that night, a Kenyan worker, John Kibu, who died um, and as of yet those circumstances had been unexplained until um, I spoke to Hassan Al-Thawadi tonight. I think uh, the results have come out. Um, unfortunately he was, he was intoxicated and he fell um, and that was, that was a result uh, of, of, the, uh, of the death. 
Which, is, do you know which part of the stadium it was? Uh, I don't know the exact location at the moment. I'm sorry, I'm actually quite exhausted, so I do apologize for that. But um, we've been in touch. Of course, his brother did attend. Um, he was with him at, at the hospital until he passed away. Um, and we're in touch with the family uh, and to ensure that he receives all the relevant compensation and to ensure that we support the family in any way possible. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Adam. We will sit down. This is the first time we've heard an explanation for this worker's death. It's an interesting explanation, given that you know, Doha, Qatar has been a place where alcohol is not readily available, right? Outside of hotel bars and exclusive FIFA hospitality, it's not a very easy place to become drunk and intoxicated. Um, but that's what they are saying as of tonight is the findings of the report. And I think it'll be interesting in the next few weeks to see if any further evidence, as long as that goes with the wishes of the family, is provided, any kind of report is made public. Only this week, uh, John Kibu's sister was speaking to CNN saying that she wanted justice and that they hadn't had clear evidence yet or clear pictures of the, the site, uh, the part of the Lusail Stadium uh, where her brother passed away. I did ask uh, al as well if he knew what location it was at the stadium uh, and he said that he didn't at this moment in time. He also said he was quite tired. As we've said, there's been two sides to this to this World Cup and I suppose it's a, it's a sort of symbolic that you're having that sort of conversation in a mix zone where there has been champagne sprayed around. And when you look back at this World Cup, I suppose we can conclude with this. What is your abiding memory of 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 this? It's it's been it's been incredible in so many ways, good and bad. Uh, it's been like a suspended reality for four weeks, where you're just kind of, you know, you, where you normalise a world where you're being sprayed with champagne by Lionel Messi and a load of Argentina players and watching some of the best football that we've probably ever seen um, in terms of the level of some of the players and the intensity of some of the games and at the same time you're asking you know five minutes before that you're asking basically someone who is in, in many ways a politician a question about the treatment of work of some of the most poorly paid people in the world and their working conditions and circumstances around deaths and you know you you come to football matches for escape and for enjoyment and you know to see what the Argentina fans are experiencing tonight, the happiest night of their lives, most memorable night of their lives. But there's quite a lot of people for whom you know the last decade has been some of the worst experiences of their lives. And it's just constantly trying to find that balance. And that all sounds a bit pious at, at, at times um, and probably quite annoying to people who are maybe just thinking, just, just shut up and get on with it, right? But, you know, only this week you still had the family of a worker saying we're not getting clarity, we're not getting investigations. And that may have been our last ever chance to speak to him. So that's what we did. But will the scrutiny continue? Or once the circus leaves, do you think that the agenda will disappear? Or because it has been such a, a dominant story for, well, 12 years since they were awarded the World Cup, do you think there's almost a commitment for, for everyone that's sort of been here to, to ensure that, that that spotlight stays on here? Yeah, look, I think, you know, they call themselves the Supreme Committee for Delivery and Legacy. So they've created an expectation. Um, yeah, well, it's very difficult to know, right? We've, we've been here for four weeks. We've seen, you know, even if you're just looking at our hotel, right, the amount of staff 
that have been working in that hotel, it's, it's difficult to really imagine that there will be that demand outside of sort of major conferences. But there's not going to be a conference that's bringing the number of people that have come here over the past few weeks. You've got this huge amount of hotels, huge infrastructure, and it's almost like this accelerated development. I'm not entirely sure the country is is ready for, it actually has that demand um, so to, to meet the supply that they've, they've created so yeah a lot of questions going forward I think I think what we'll see is 2036 Olympics I think may well move on to the horizon um, but I think what we've also seen is you know a lot of positivity rightly around taking the World Cup to different places in the world giving different audiences the opportunity to to sample football, to see some of their favourite players who they may follow in a very different way to you and I. They might not go to the pub at 11 in the morning or go on a train at 7 in the morning and have 15 cans and then come home from a game at, at midnight. They may consume most stuff on their phone, but they want to see a, a World Cup and they have the right to do that. So I think, I think this has probably been pretty good news for 2030 for Saudi, Egypt and Greece, I think, because there's been a lot of... I think there's a pathway that's being laid out there. There's all sorts of controversy around that, but I, think, I, do, I do think that's a big takeaway. Equally, the rival bid for that is Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay and Chile. And to take the World Cup to this lot would be unbelievable, um, just on, based on what they've brought here. So, yeah, that's kind of closing thoughts. Okay, so that completes our World Cup coverage from Qatar 2022. 64 games during a frenetic month of football, which ends with arguably the greatest ever final with the greatest player lifting a legacy-defining first World Cup trophy. It's been a pleasure to bring you this journey with our team of reporters here in Doha be it the footballing stories or those off the field. Thanks to the team behind the team as well, our producers here and also back in the UK for putting it all together. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. This is Adam Leventhal signing off from the Lucille Stadium and the Qatar World Cup. Take care, everyone. All the best. The Athletic.